Hello, everyone. Welcome to, uh, I guess, a fresh episode here of the uh, podcast that I don't have a name for. <laughs> but it's it's Shane Young from uh, Forbes Sports right now, and I just want to do something different today. Uh, I haven't done a podcast in about, say, six or seven months. And I, I mean, I've been guest on one, but but not anything of my own. And I really wanted to talk about the league as it stands today. And because there's so many fun storylines. And to do that, I'm trying something different here. Uh, one of my local friends from Louisville, Clay Wilder, um, senior at at University of Louisville here. That's where we're recording this podcast in the undisclosed location in the library. Uh, and the, the, uh, Clay, just tell, I guess, the audience a little bit about uh, yourself from a basketball background, how you got into uh, caring about the NBA um, what teams you watch the most, I guess, and talk a little bit about what you do with your website. <clears throat> all right. Well, thanks for having me, first of all, Shane. And uh, really, I got into writing about a year ago. I've always been a big fan of the NBA since since about 2008 when the Celtics and Lakers had that, oh, uh, no. that great final series. And uh, I got to see Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen – and Rondo tear up the Lakers, and it's about as good as it gets. Hey, and, Andrew Bynum <laughs> wasn't playing, okay? okay? Like, yeah. Yeah, and Kendrick Perkins was hurt in uh, 2010, so. <laughs> For one game. But I'll let that slide. <laughs> and it's really funny because uh, the most fans that I encounter, the, the most friends that I encounter are Boston fans. And I don't know how that is. I mean, I have like four of them that I can name. And I, th- I think it's just because from here – People latched on to the Rajon Rondo era of, of Boston, and that was and that was it. I mean, you're not even a Kentucky fan, right? So it's like, are you a Louisville fan? No, I actually am a Kentucky. Oh, fan. you're a Kentucky fan. Okay, so that that's probably what it was. Uh, that's probably what it came from. A good from. chance. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the current Celtics here. Uh, but yeah, what about your yeah box so, score tales? So anyway, uh, loved the NBA for a long time, and I just found myself raining to my friends all the time about the state of the NBA and what was wrong with it and what was right with it. Yeah. And a lot of them didn't care. So I decided to uh, take to the internet and write <laughs> out my thoughts for more people who probably wouldn't care. But uh, <laughs> I, um, I started a website with one of my friends called uh, boxscoretales.com. And we just kind of do whatever we want on there. We might talk about uh, game analysis of a game that just happened, or we might talk about why Oscar Robinson's one of the more underrated players in NBA history. Yeah. Just depends on. Oh, I, a little aside, I don't like Oscar Robertson anymore because he publicly just craps on Stephen Curry and says that he could shut him down, uh, says that he wouldn't be shooting from 35 feet if he was guarding him. Uh, just this get-off-my-lawn type of stuff that I'm sick of hearing from guys like Charles Barkley. And, and a little. I mean, Shaq's not as bad. Shaq does respect. I mean, Steph's his favorite player. But it's just the fact that I feel like everyone has to one-up this new generation, and I don't oh, like yeah. it. But we won't get into that right now. Um, Clay, I brought you on because we always have these text conversations about uh, the East. And, and I remember the first, I think, week of the season you said, well, as of right now, the, the East has more wins. They look, they're looking pretty good. Um, is it going to be, you know, a changing of the guard here? Is it going to be the Eastern Conference ruling the NBA? And, I, like, I still think the West is better from, from the top from the top two teams, but, like, yeah. If we look at the East standings right now, Milwaukee and Boston and Miami and uh, Toronto and Indy and all these teams, Philly, like, like it, it says something about the East that the team that I picked to win the conference, the Sixers, and go to the finals, 
and I nearly picked them to win the title. They're sixth right now, and and, and not, like, they're not sixth because their record is bad. They're 23-13. I just watched them in person get obliterated by the Pacers without Victor Oladipo. Um, but, but it's like, yeah, wh- what do you think about the East so far? Has it been a little bit surprising to see six really good teams with and, – and, and also remember, Brooklyn is seventh, and their two best players have – I mean, Kyrie's only played ten games – Kevin Durant won't be back till next year. They're going to be right in this mix. I would probably pick the Brooklyn Nets to be second or third next year in the East. So what, what do you think about the East so far? The East has definitely been surprising, to say the least. I mean, like you said, we have, what is it, six teams in the East with 22 wins or more. And you got teams like the Pacers. Look at the job Nate McMillan's done there. Yeah. Like, without Oladipo, like you said, the Pacers are sitting at 22-12 and 12 yeah. and are a game up on Philly in the standings. Um, the Raptors are, I think, Safe to say, have surprised a lot of people this year. Yeah. I, I thought take a big step back without Kawhi, but really, yeah, I thought I thought they would take a ten win decrease. Uh, they had fifty eight wins last year. I thought forty eight was the baseline without Danny Green and Kawhi Leonard. And people forget Danny Green was the best defender on that team next to Pascal. I mean, Kawhi kind of mailed it in defensively last year as he had to do so much scoring. But but yeah, I mean, uh, Toronto's been a, a pleasant surprise. But I think. What is like? You, it's crazy to say a sixty-win team is surprising me from last year. But the Milwaukee Bucks, Clay, uh, <laughs> I watched them. I probably watched about twenty of their games so far, twenty to thirty-five or thirty-six. Um, they are destroying human beings left and right. Uh, Giannis is the clear-cut MVP, and if you like, if anyone else has any other MVP, you're just not watching the league. Yeah. That's what I think. Uh, from the games you've been able to watch Milwaukee, what really sticks out as, uh, you know, either surprising or I, I kind of hate that buzzword, but, like, um, important for for this season and the playoffs? Well, I've, I've watched Milwaukee play quite a few times, and you were talking about MVP for Giannis. I could see him winning most improved as well. Like, Yeah, like, I, I think that he's – I think he's legitimately in the running for MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. Um, most improved is probably going to go to uh, – Either Devonte Graham or oh Devonte Graham or, or for sure. My pick is Bam Adebayo. Bam, yeah. But we'll get into awards later. But just just the Bucks in general, they are under the tutelage of Mike Boonholzer and Giannis and Brook Lopez needs some see uh, needs some deserving shine here. Um, anything that really uh, sticks out, considering that Middleton's been hurt a little bit, uh, Bledsoe still hurt. You know. Yeah, this team actually. I was watching a game the other night. And what they made me think of was last year's Raptors team. You're built around Giannis. You got the scrappy point guard. You got Eric Bledsoe as your diet, Kyle yeah. Lowry. They're they're kind of lacking that second superstar, like how Pascal Siakam yeah. was a- able to take over games at times last year. I I still think the Bucks might be a piece away. Yeah, and and if you say that, I kind of agree. Like if you say that to Milwaukee fans. You're going to have pitchforks at your head because they think Chris Middleton, and I'm a big Chris Middleton guy. Yeah, uh, I think he's averaging 22 on like really good efficiency, and the guy should be an All Star, but he's probably not because of all the hard selections that you're gonna have to make. I mean, there's only 12 guys in the East that you can choose, but yeah, about your point though, they they don't have that second superstar that you would classify as an All NBA guy, and that's what I think a real superstar would be like. Uh, you look at Kyle Lowry, he's kind of on, like, he's definitely a superstar to me, mm-hmm. but he barely makes All-NBA most of the times because there's so many loaded guards. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think the Bucks, 
it, it, it's a testament to what they're doing in Giannis's MVP candidacy that they're 31 and five on pace for. Are you ready? 71 wins. 71. Um, and he's their only All NBA figure. Like that's ridiculous. Following that up though, like Boston's been right behind them, and I think they've only played once, and Boston beat them come come from behind. Um, I believe that was late. That was uh, either late October, or early November. Milwaukee had like a 20-point lead in the Garden, and Boston comes back and, and storms back and wins that game. And that's one of Buc- the Bucks' five losses. And I, I think what helps them is the fact that Marcus Smart is, you know, he's been injured too. Yeah, he's healthy finally. He had that eye infection that kept him out for, I think, what was it, a couple weeks? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's funny that Marcus Smart said that he actually feared losing his eyesight. Yeah, I saw that. It's Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, Philly or uh, yeah, Philly beat Milwaukee on Christmas, and then, uh, but see what what really helps me, what helps the case about the Bucks is that they've destroyed top end talent like the Lakers, like the the Clippers twice, like you know they 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 really destroyed them, and uh, I I I think that Miami beat them in overtime too in Milwaukee, so they have one of the best home records in the league. Um, Their net rating yeah. is sitting at twelve and a half right now, yeah. which is almost double the next best team, the Celtics, which are at 7.8. That's insane. Yeah. For reference, uh, the highest net rating of all time, 2016-17 Warriors and, and the two, and the 1971 Bucks uh, at like 12 or 11.8. Milwaukee, if they keep this up, if they keep destroying Eastern Conference talent, which is not out of the question because you have Cleveland's, you have Washington's, you have all these teams. Like Atlanta is the worst team in the NBA right now. And they play the Bucks three times, so it's like <laughs> the Bucks are just going to beat up on this talent. And as you're looking right now, Clay, like defensively, that's what makes Milwaukee the cream of the crop. There's not a weak defender in that lineup except for maybe Arsene Diosova, <laughs> Kyle Korver, and like George Hill. Still, his age is really good defensively too. So yeah. they, they just have the most defensive talent on that entire roster. Boston, though. I know that that's the team that you watch majority of the time, and it's funny. You texted me the other day. You said, "What is it? They played Charlotte seventeen times this yeah, season." Yeah, seems, I think it seems like on... Charlotte, uh, Toronto, and Cleveland are the only yeah. three teams they played this yeah. year. Basically, that Cleveland, like they beat up on Cleveland. I think their average margin of victory against the Cavs is like twenty. It, it's absurd. Uh, but yeah, like like about the Celtics, what either sticks out or to me though, I will say the job Brad Stevens has done. I think that Brad Stevens got a bad rap last year because he couldn't manage those personalities and he couldn't really get them playing the best type of offense they needed to be. They were down in the in the like the mid-tier offensively last year mm-hmm. and and now he's just simplifying things. Like high pick and roll with Kimball Walker. Let's get good ball movement. Let's get a, a lot of threes up. You know, they, they they don't have to run things through Al Horford now. They can just go free-flowing with their guards and their the Jays as they call them. Yeah, and so. what you, what you said about Kimba running that pick and roll. I can't remember who it is, but I think there's two different players on the Celtics with uh they have like the highest pick and roll success percentage in the league. Kimba and it might be with Jalen and Jason. Yeah. But that pick and roll combo is just it's been unstoppable this year. Kimba Walker runs nine point nine pick and roll possessions per game. Uh that's actually down from last year. Last year was like fifteen or, or twelve. So it was around there. Um but yeah, 1.8 points per possession, 92 percentile. It is quite absurd uh, the efficiency he can do it with. I mean, he's up there with Dame Lillard. I would see. I would even say that like Kimba this year has been better than Dame in terms of 
um, effectiveness from just pulling up off that pick yeah. or driving inside. I mean, Kimba gets to the rim at will, it seems. I mean, you know, he, he's a little bit quicker than Dame, a little bit uh, craftier in terms of his shiftiness. And no one really from the guard, from a five foot ten, five foot eleven guard, which Kimba really isn't like in person. Mm-hmm. Um, no one gets off a step back jumper like that guy. No, and uh, I mean that goes back to his days at UConn yeah. in the the Big East tournament. But something that has stuck out to me with Boston, we're, they're usually good defensively. Yeah. Losing Al Horford, I thought that was going to really hurt, but they're third in defensive rating this season. <laughs> like, what and and say. Like, third in defensive rating when your centers are Ennis Cantor, Daniel Tice, and Robert, and, and Robert Williams has been hurt. It's like, I mean, and that Robert Williams is their best probably defensive prospect oh, in, terms of, in terms of the bigs. But he's been hurt. Um, don't know when he's coming back. But Ennis Cantor has never been a part of a good defense. And he has been he was hurt in the beginning of the season, but, like, he's, he's kind of effective now. I mean, but offensively is where they really will rely on him. I will ask you this, though. All, the, the big narrative around Boston is they need to improve in terms of a center. They need to go out and get a center. They need to trade for one. Um, number one, do you th- do you agree with that? Do you think that they need to improve the front court to contend in the East with the Bucks and Sixers because the Phillies really have their number this year? Or do you think they're, they're good to stand pat and just be good around the margins and improve point guard maybe? They're good enough – to make the Eastern Conference Finals, they might be even good enough if things fall the right way. You know, they might be good enough to make it to the finals. They can't win a championship until they trade for a center who can play 25, 30 minutes a game and be successful. I I say they trade Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, and that Memphis pick and oh go my. after someone like Carl Anthony Towns. Oh, my. <laughs> well, I mean, like, see, that trade package sounds intriguing from the Wolves. Um component of it too because Jalen Brown's really had an awesome season like 20 plus points on on uh, absurd true shootings like 60% or better and he like what I like about Jalen is he's taking the right shots now mm-hmm. he he's not forcing things he's not driving in traffic that much I mean he's he's still getting to the rim pretty well but like he's not he's a little bit more patient now with Jalen yeah and I think that's what he's always needed he he's a firecracker he is one of their like you would say, Marcus Smart is the heart and soul of that team, but Jalen Brown's right there because when he turns it up on both ends, it's it's a view to watch, mm-hmm. um, and and I like that. But but yeah, like if they got someone like Towns, obviously to pair him with, can you imagine the pick and roll spacing between him and Kimba? Yeah, I can. I'd love to see it. Yeah, <laughs> I'd love to see it. Uh, well, the reason I don't think that would be it, be the case is that I think Danny Ainge just values his guys a lot more than what any other normal GM would. So, like, you remember, you were definitely in your beginning years of college when it happened, but, like, you remember when Paul George was available, Jimmy Butler was available, and Anthony Davis was available. They they weren't going to throw the, the table at those teams. They were just going to uh, be really low on their on their packages. They wanted to keep Jalen and Jason and all those guys. They want to keep Terry too. They would yeah. not give up Terry Rozier for anything. I exactly. That. Yeah. They wouldn't trade him for LeBron James, right? <laughs> so it's like, um, I, I think it's going to be a little bit hard of a sell to Danny Ainge to say, let me get rid of Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and a pick or something. I mean, because then we've seen the disaster that Carl Towns is defensively so far in his career. I think Danny Ainge just values being a top five defensive team with the, with these guys, his young youth here. Yeah. So I, I don't think they're going to be a, a trade destination. What I do think could happen though is 
on the buyout market. You get a center that may be a little bit over the hill in terms of age. Um, and I really don't have any candidates right now because I don't know who's going to be available for buyout. But I think that might be the best bet. I I agree. I think they're good enough to go to the East Finals. Mm-hmm. But who who would be the team they're facing? If it's the Bucks, do I think they could beat the Bucks in seven game series? Yeah, if they if they play them the right way and really get under Giannis' skin, um, the way they have shown. I mean, even without the defenders. Boston knows how to. Brad Stevens knows how to defend Giannis. Yeah. Um. Do I think they can beat Philly? No. I don't either. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Embiid would have a field day against Kaner, and there would be so much trash talk on Twitter. I would be here for it. Um. But outside of Milwaukee and Boston, Clay, who's the third? Or, or Milwaukee, Boston, and Philly. I should yeah. say. Are you a believer in Miami? Are you a believer in Toronto when they get healthy? Not a believer in terms that. Either of those teams can go to the Eastern Conference Finals. I think they'll win a series. I think they'll definitely give whoever they're playing a heck of a fight. But I don't take any of them as serious contenders. Miami in two years, sure. When Tyler Hero proves that this isn't just a you know a flash in the pan, and Kendrick Nunn yeah. is able to show some consistency, and Jimmy Butler's still at the end of his prime, I think they could really you know challenge in the East, but not yet. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I think uh, I, I think I tweeted that Miami is on the verge of title contention, but the question is, do they also go for a trade? Because here's here's what Pat Riley's mantra is: he doesn't want to sacrifice future salary cap. Let's just play your X that he wants to get right now to help this team right now. He's not going to do that if player X has contract obligations past 2021 because he wants to keep 21 cap space claim for Giannis. Do I think he's going to sign Giannis? Do I think Giannis is going to leave? No, Bucks fans, don't kill me. <laughs> but at the same time, like you, you, you do whatever you can to at least have the meeting. If you're Pat Riley, yeah, for those type of guys, it's going to be available in 2021. There's going to be a lot of them. That's the next big draft class. I think Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are also up then. So did, does Pat Riley want a meeting with with Kawhi and all of them? I mean, yeah. Of so, he does. so I don't think they're going to do anything and sacrifice that. Yeah. And also, they are. 20, what are they right now? What's, they are 24 and 9, plus 3.8 net rating. That's good. Not great, but good. They're doing that without Justice Winslow playing basketball. The guy's been hurt all year. I mean, he's played games here and there, but he's been hurt. Yep. And to me, heading into the year, if you said who's the Heat's second best player, I would have said Bam. But but uh, Justice Winslow was on the fringes of it. Mm-hmm. And Goran Dragic. I thought he was done. I thought he was washed. He's been a pleasant surprise so far. At I think he's aged like 31, 32 maybe, Goran Dragic, maybe a little bit older. But, yeah, I think Miami's fine. They're not a title contender right now because they don't have the they don't have the pieces. All their, The pieces that are surprising right now are young. Yes. Bam's like 22, 23. Um, Hero, a rookie. I mean, clean shaven. That has not, like, he doesn't have any maturity, any experience in the NBA. Um, Kendrick Nunn, you said the word flash in the pan. I think I don't think he's that good. That's no. probably my hot take. I don't think Kendrick Nunn is going to be a long term option. He's just whatever they have right now available. So yeah, I don't. I, I'm kind of out. I'm not out on Miami. I think they're going to be really good, but I don't think they can go to the finals. Yeah, I'm I'm totally with you there. And going back to what you said about uh, Giannis and his free agency yeah. a minute ago, I heard somebody uh, some podcast a couple days ago talking about potentially Giannis to the Warriors. How does that make you feel? Well, that would that would include a lot of trade yeah, stuff. I mean, like of... they would have to get rid of Draymond, Clay. I mean, so so essentially, you're saying how does Steph and Giannis sound together? Sounds great. Pretty fun. Uh, sounds like the best pick and roll duo ever. I mean, 
I'm kind of partial to the Kevin Durant era there because I think when you have a seven foot alien that can shoot three, setting screens for a six foot three best shooter ever, I think that's probably the best pick and roll you could ever do. But with Giannis, the, the rim gravity, the fact that if he gets even into the paint, the corner defenders come running at him, yeah. that opens up corner shooters. So yeah, you would have to have shooters around those two. Um, and and when Clay's hurt, they don't have shooting. So yeah, I, I do think that that's a little bit far fetched. Now Giannis, I will say right now, I think he's going to resign. The supermax eligibility, two hundred fifty million dollar deal for five years, becomes available on July first for him. Yep. Um, I think he's going to sign it right then and there. But we'll see. I mean, do you do you think he's going to have any reservations like about signing it? Do, it? What if they get bounced in the second round by Philly? See, that's exactly where the reservations I think would come. This Milwaukee team, roster-wise, is not marginally better than last year. Yeah, I, I think it's worse than last year roster-wise. Yes. But, but like, because last year they had, like, a Nico Miritich who was firing up threes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they had uh, Malcolm Brogdon, who's been awesome. Like, we're not going to talk about Malcolm. <laughs> don't have time. But, like, he is probably – I mean, he's definitely an all-star if he could if he get back on the court and finish out January. But yeah. um, but so far, I mean, the guy's been awesome. And, and they didn't want to pay the luxury tax that much into it to keep him. So Exactly. So I I think they're going to have to do something else to convince Giannis to stay because he's not just going to waste away in Milwaukee. Giannis wants to win. He's made that clear. Yeah. And he wants to do it in Milwaukee. But the thing is, is Milwaukee going to put enough around him to keep him there? Yeah, I I could see him. I could see him doing both things. Really, I mean, I think he's going to resign because I think they're going to be at least Eastern Finals, and and he can understand him. He's a, he's smart. He's going to understand like you're not going to win a title every year. And then, I'm only 25 years old. Like I'm not supposed to win right now. Like Giannis is not supposed to win until he's 27. Yeah, like that's when you're. That's when LeBron wins. When Michael won. Uh, Wade was the exception. Wade won really young. Kobe won really young. Um, but like. Yeah, like, I think he's going to understand, like, we just got blindsided by Kawhi's Raptors, and then Philly made an awesome deal to get probably, like, I, I do think this. I think the two best Giannis defenders in the NBA are on Philly, and Al Horford and Joel Embiid. Yeah. We saw on Christmas <clears throat> how much he struggled. Um, they play again uh, three more times, I think, and it's going to be really fascinating to see what Philly does defensively against them again, but... But, yeah, I, in, in the East, in short, I think there's only, like, three teams that can go to the finals. I think that's Boston, Milwaukee, and um, Philly. Philly. Yeah. I think that's only three that can really do it. Okay. And I, it comes back to what I tweeted last night at this guy. He said, what are your six title contenders? I know in the West, which we'll switch to now, you were talking about both Laker, both both uh, L.A. squads, and then who's that third? You could argue it's Denver. I wouldn't. You could argue it's Houston. I, I think the Houston – could just have a have a series where they go ballistic, yeah, from from deep or or you know Harden has averages fifty for a series, you know it, it's definitely doable now for him. So I think I think that is an interesting question, but I would have I would have it to six title contenders right now. That's what I would have, I would have it to, and that's apologies to Dallas. Um, I kind of want to go there here. What what do you think about Dallas? Because last year they were bottom of the barrel lottery, not really good. They get Luca another year of experience. They trade for Borzingas. They bring in Hardaway on that same deal. Hardaway's been shooting lights out, by the way. Uh, 
they don't have they have the depth, but they don't have the depth that you would look at and say, oh, well, that's going to survive in a second round series against the Clippers. <laughs> like they have depth in a regular season setting. But yeah, I mean, just what do you think about Dallas for? I love Dallas. I think they're one of the most exciting teams to watch when Luke is playing. When Luke is hurt, I mean, some of these guys, man, like the depth thing you were talking yeah. about. Like I, I don't want to get. Like I think they're deep in terms of regular season. Like they can roll out nine or ten guys that can get competent same, things done. Similar skill levels, yeah. Yeah. Like, but Luca has just been unbelievable. Oh my god, like, he's man. he's the whole team. You, yeah. What are his win shares at this year? Well, he's definitely top five, uh, and and that's with being hurt too. Um, but yeah, so Luca so far, guys, averaging twenty nine a game, nine and a half rebounds, eight point nine assists, and those are bad. Those are those are down from what what we thought he was going to do. I mean, he was averaging thirty one, eleven, and ten at one point. Um, but what really gets me, it's it's the difference that we that we we've seen from Trey Young uh, in terms of Luca. I think Luca's far better. And here's the thing. Trey Young's efficiency has been relatively the same, a little bit better than last year. But Luca has went from 54 true shooting, league average is 55. 55 is league average. If you're below that, you're a little bit below average. If you're like 49, you're horrible. That's Westbrook and and Oklahoma City playoffs is 49 true shooting. Um, now 60 and above is elite. Okay, Luca went from 54 percent true shooting to 61. Um, the guy's awesome, and I think that. He's definitely fifth on my MVP writer right now, but behind the the two LA Lakers candidates, Giannis and Harden. How I mean, it's really difficult to sort through. Them. Yeah. Um. But I guess to my question is, how serious is Dallas? Are they a second round and out? Are they contenders to upset the Clippers or the Lakers? Because you'll have you'll have to go through one of those to get mm-hmm. to the, to get to the West Finals. I think we can all agree Lakers or Clippers are going to be on different sides of the bracket when it's all said and done. So honestly, with Luca. Anything's possible. Like yeah. I, outside of like LeBron, maybe Giannis, I've never seen in my lifetime or in my experience watching the NBA. I've never seen a player who galvanizes his team as much as Luca does for those Mavericks. Like he is that entire team, and He's with awesome. him, with him, I think their ceiling is they don't have one. You know, I think yeah. the ceiling is the roof. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I, I do think what what's interesting is that. Porzingis has only had about a month of good basketball, and they're still doing this. Like, I mean, if you remember in the beginning of the season, they were struggling, or he was struggling. They were still winning, uh, regardless of what he was doing. And what helps Luca is the fact that they had the centers like Dwight Powell that can just run straight to the rim and, and cram home lobs. He's not really going to create on the post or anything. He's just going to have things spoon fed to him a little bit. But Carlisle being being a, a mastermind and, and putting Luca in charge and saying, look, we're just going to run everything through you, and you're going to create these passes to the corner that are exceptional. You're going to have uh, 30 points just because you're you're firing up all these deep balls. And that is what is interesting is that as, as much as Trey Young is lauded for pulling up from, like, you know, 35 extended and hitting them sometimes, Luca can do it and hit it, like, at, at a 38% clip. It, it's ridiculous how much he can do it efficiently. efficiently. Um but going back, I don't, I don't really think how much I, I don't really know how much I believe in Seth Curry and Jalen Brunson and all those type of guys in a playoff setting right now. I mean, even yeah, though Seth yeah. was in the playoffs last year um, and played pretty well for Portland. Speaking of Portland, <laughs> let's do that real quick. Uh, I get a text, ladies and gentlemen, from from Clay last night saying, "Uh, so should we mention Mello?" And I'm like, "Well, 
He's worth a mention. The guy is a 16-year veteran, I think, 17-year veteran. This yep. is year 17 because he's there with LeBron. Uh, and i, I got to be honest. I thought he would never play a basketball game ever again. After Houston cut him after 10 games because he was so bad defensively, and they were like 3-7 and seven in those first 10 games. Yeah. Um, I, if you remember before, before I give you the floor here, if you remember – in Brooklyn was or against Brooklyn was his last game with the Rockets. He shot like uh like three of ten and was like, okay, well, I'm gonna suit up for the next game. Can't wait. And uh, Daryl Morey said, no, we don't need your services anymore. <laughs> so yeah, he went. He was he took about what ten months off, eleven months off, and got picked up by the Blazers, the only team that would really need him to shoot as much as he does. Uh, first of all, are you a metal apologist, Clay? You know what. This this whole story for Carmelo, he he's having fun again, which that's really nice to see, and you got to be happy for the guy and all that stuff. But yeah, I I don't care for Melo. I think I think the NBA has passed him by. Like we were talking about earlier before we started, he's shooting forty percent from three this year, which that's very encouraging. And if he can do that and not dribble the ball, you know, yeah. if they can just put him in the corner and let him shoot that constantly, yeah. And then sub him out immediately when they go to defense. <laughs> he's a great NBA player, and he's got another five years ahead of him. But I don't see that happening. No, no. <laughs> see, that, that's the thing, though. Like, if he bought into, like, I wish he would have done this a long time ago. Bought into just being a spot up guy. But yeah, the twenty four percent usage is is troubling. And and like, he's not shooting efficiently from efficiently from anywhere else except from three. Like, he he doesn't have that lift anymore. He no, I, I will give him credit here. He's in better shape than I thought he was going to be coming back. Yes. Uh, I thought he was going to be, like, 20 pounds overweight. No, he looks good. Like, yeah. he looks more in shape than he has in years. Uh, I think Thunder Mellow was fat mellow, to yeah. be honest with you. <laughs> um, he was thick then. Um, but, see, here it goes back to the same problem, though. Like, what's Portland's goal? Is Portland's goal to be the eighth seed and get absolutely embarrassed by the Lakers in the first round? Where it would be LeBron targeting Melo every single time. Yeah. Um, or is the goal to uh, put together a good defensive team? Because they're not either, like, they're not a good defensive team with Melo on the floor. Like, they're horrible. And it, it gets really exacerbated when you have CJ McCollum and Dame Willard, two negative defenders out there. So you have three total negative defenders with Hassan Whiteside, who to me, very overrated. Don't think he's going to be good oh, yeah. uh, anymore, really. And. No, their problems are not going to be solved. They're, the, the Blazers are set up better for next year when they get used to Nurkic back. Totally agree. I'm I'm interested to see what, what happens with Melo past this season if the uh, the Trailblazers end up keeping him. Because right now, I mean, I, I was wrong. I thought the Trailblazers were dead in the water. But at 14-21, and 21, they are just a game or so behind the Spurs yeah. for the eighth seed, which is shocking to say when you're talking about the West. But, I mean, the Trailblazers – have a puncher's chance of making it in, into the playoffs, but like you said, they probably don't want to make it into the playoffs when if they're going to play the Lakers. I don't understand the the point of it. Like, like they could easily just tank, but but they the problem is, and this has been said so many times, when you have Damon Lillard on your team, you're going to be too good to do that, mm-hmm. and he doesn't want to do that. He wants to, he has value in getting a seven or eight seed, but like I just don't know. Being stuck in the middle this year, it's really hard. There's there's not that many teams in the middle. I think the only team that is in the mediocrity stage is Oklahoma City, and really they're too good to be considered in the middle. I, I think they're really good when Chris Paul and Gildas Alexander play. 
Um, and they've both been healthy too, so that's been a good thing. But like, yeah, I just think that they the Blazers need to pick a direction: mm-hmm. trade CJ McCollum or stick with it and just content and just tell your fans like we're we're okay being the six or seven or eight spot every year. Now they would argue back to me and say, "Look, we've been the three seed the last two years in a row." Yeah, that's true. But you've the all, Western Conference Finals last year. It's true, but you also had a really good team around them. Yeah. They decided it was okay to punt Mo Harkless and Al Aminu this this past offseason. And and I understand why, like, okay, these guys have not hit shots for you in the playoffs. Mo Harkless is literally like 10% from three in the playoffs. <laughs> but those guys help you win regular season games. You would be uh, 18, or you would be, I'm not going to say 21 and 14, but you would be a lot closer to 500 if you had good defenders on your team now, except for Melo and, and Lillard and, and McCollum, you know, out there uh, using up most of the minutes. But, but yeah, I think I think Portland's just going to be down. I'm not, I don't think they're going to make playoffs. Yeah, and to answer, like, in short, to answer the Melo question, it's a move that doesn't move the needle at all. Yeah. They they signed him to excite the fans. They they signed him knowing full well he wasn't going to be New York Knicks mellow or anything. And I think he's just a reason to keep selling tickets at this point. Like, he's still exciting. He's fun to watch. And like I said, he's having the most fun he's had in years. So good for him. But it just doesn't mean anything. That's really the only thing that, that Mello – that's I'm not going to say the only thing. He is shooting well from three. But that is the one thing that you can point at and say it, it's been great because the fans are invested. Mm-hmm. The fans want to see him play. It, and – as smart as Portland fans are, they they think he's still good. <laughs> I, you know, it's crazy. But um, I'm I'm actually just glad though, for the Lakers' sake, that they didn't give him a deal because he would be. I'm not gonna say LeBron, but like the team would be pressured into giving him some minutes for you know to, to appease LeBron. Yeah. And like, can you imagine how much worse defensively the Lakers would be if Melo was playing 15 minutes a game? <laughs> Like, because they're elite right now. Like, yeah. with Dwight, AD, and JaVale, and, and LeBron buying in yeah. defensively. Like, they're really good. And I'm just kind of, I'm kind of, like, glad that that didn't pick up steam when LeBron uh, said he would like to have Melo back and, and in the league. And luckily, LeBron didn't go to management and say, let's get Melo a spot. Yeah. Um, you know, let's stick there, though. Out of the Clippers and Lakers, what team have you watched more? I've, I've probably watched, like, Start to finish more Clippers games, but it's close. I've I've watched a lot of a uh, lot of LA basketball this year. Yeah, uh, neither of them are, uh, or both of them are entertaining. I was just like, when you're watching either of them, it's going to be a fun show. I mean, until it's a blowout. Yeah. But I mean, last night I texted you. I said, uh, I'm going to watch Lakers Suns until it's a blowout. Forty three seventeen into the first quarter. Seventy four forty one at halftime. But Phoenix came back, made it a game because uh, the Lakers decided that it was okay to miss every shot they took. I, I don't know why that decision was made. but and, and they decided to play Rondo minutes, which that that's a travesty in its own. I, I can go on and on, guys, about how bad Rajon Rondo is at basketball in this era, in this age, but yet Vogel, all these uh, veteran coaches, are going to give him minutes. And, I, and you might disagree with that. I don't think Rondo's good anymore, and yet he is on the floor during crunch time. On Christmas, it was a, it was a disaster. When you say – just real quick, because we don't have time for this. But Rondo, not good anymore. Does that mean okay. he's not an NBA player no, anymore? that's okay. not what it means. Ten what minutes a game. What it means is, is he better than Alex Caruso? The answer is no. Okay. The answer is no. Like, like Caruso is helps them a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if you watched him on the court much, but, like, mm-hmm. he helps them do stuff defensively. He hits, he knocks down shots. And you could, look, you could tell me, oh, Rondo's shooting 40-something percent from three. 
But how does the defense treat him? They treat him like he's a 10% three-point shooter. Yeah. And that's what matters. Uh, on Christmas, I'll never forget this little sequence here. You had LeBron AD running pick and roll. R- Rondo's guy was in the paint, clogging up everything. And I believe that was Pat Bev, just clogging up everything. If he's on the court during your closing minutes, it's not conducive to good offensive spacing or basketball. And I think that he goes a little bit too much for uh, steal gambles and mm-hmm. wants to make that big defensive play and ends up leaving him out of position. But I, I know people, I know Celtics fans, I know everyone like is, is partial to Rondo. They, they think that he can still play, and that's true. But I would like it to be somewhere that's not had that doesn't have championship aspirations because in the playoffs he's going to be on the court during pivotal moments. And he's just, he's not a good fit for that roster either, like – since yeah. He, yeah, if he was on, if he was on, uh, well, you know, I hate to say it, but like, if he was a, a backup point guard for the Clips or something, someone that doesn't really have another ball handler, yeah, and he could only play ten minutes, yeah, that might be worthy. But like the Lakers, LeBron runs the show. It doesn't. You don't need Rondo on the court when you have LeBron James. On exactly. The court. And I was, I stopped myself because I was gonna say he's not a good fit because him and LeBron are the same. But that yeah. felt wrong coming out. <laughs> yeah, that, that'd be a little bit more but disrespectful. Honestly, the Celtics, man, the Celtics could use. Him oh as God, a back. Yeah, I'm serious. Yeah. Like, Cause it's him and Brad Wanamaker. Yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, which one would you rather have? Exactly. Um, Tremont Waters. <laughs> hey, that's LSU guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, to me. If you ask me, like right now, who is the clear better team between the two? It's the Clippers, and to me, like it's obviously close. I know everyone loves to say it's not even close. It is because the Lakers have exceptional offense right now. They're top four offensive team. Um, when AD's on the floor, they're elite defensively. They're like up there with Philly, you know, up there with uh, with Boston and type of guys. But like. I don't know. I, I don't like the Lakers' depth against the Clippers' depth. I don't like it. I don't like when like because when LeBron has to set. You're relying on AD post-ups. You're relying on Rondo AD pick-and-roll action, which, you know, it's it's not great now because no one respects Rondo as coming off the screen. But you're relying on Avery Bradley mid-rangers. But with the Clippers, you're going to have one of Paul George or Kawhi Leonard, an offensive creator, on the floor. AD, we've seen what that show looks like when he's just by himself. I've heard Laker fans tell me he stabilizes things. Like, he... He's not going to get blown out in the minutes where LeBron sits. Well, when LeBron sits, uh, so far, it, they've been outscored. <laughs> they have been outscored. They turn into the Pelicans. Uh, not that bad. I mean, but yeah, yeah, I get it. You even got yeah. Rondo out there. They're the Pelicans, I'm yeah, telling you, when yeah. LeBron sits. but. Um, and I got to say right now, like I, I don't think Avery Bradley's going to keep up this two-point shooting. I mean, I think he's shooting like 50% on twos. Or maybe, maybe no, nah, it's, it's like 44%, 45%. But, like, he – He's hitting a lot of like mid rangers and stuff like that, and I just don't think that's gonna continue. Um, especially since defenses are gonna close out a little bit more. But, but yeah, Chris, did you watch the Christmas game? I did two? watch the Christmas game. Lakers at fifteen, and then the Clips just don't give up. Like, See, like they don't. They're the most. They're the best outside of the Spurs. They're the best boring team I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, my friend actually texted me after the Christmas game, and he said. Okay, I watched this game start to finish. The Lakers won this game. Why did the Clippers have more points at the end? <laughs> I was like, it's because the Clippers don't make mistakes. Yeah. Like, Fourth they don't quarter. get blown out. They'll keep it close, keep it close, keep it close. Keep doing their thing. Hit their free throws. Don't foul. Get fouled. Yeah. And then win by five, however much, you know. like You know what separates Kawhi and Paul George to me is that they aren't afraid. I'm not saying LeBron's afraid. But, like, 
They they go to the rim with reckless abandon, abandon to get free throws, to get to the line. And I think LeBron has turned a little bit more into a jump shooter. I think if I had to if I had to remember, I think like 37% of his shots are three so far. Um, with Kawhi, you know, when it, when it's money time, he's going to live in the mid-range, and he's and he's really good there. Like, it's not this thing, oh, well, you shouldn't shoot mid-rangers. If you're exceptional at them, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, and uh, C.J. McCollum, yeah, you should shoot mid-rangers if you're really good at them. Um, and he gets to the foul line. I mean, yep. like, the guy took, in his two games against the Lakers, he's taken 17 free throws. LeBron has taken seven. I, you know, that, that that's what it comes down to. It, it, the Clippers know how to generate easy points. Why has LeBron been playing so passive when he is against the Clippers? It, is it because Kawhi is just shutting him down that much? It's or? not even passive, man. It's just like, he's in terms of passiveness, do you mean like shooting three, settling for step backs? I mean, that's what he's doing. And becoming, like, LeBron is a facilitator, yeah. but becoming more of a facilitator, yeah. less of a scourge. And I feel like it's just when he's been playing the Clippers for the most part. And it's not that, Ka- that Kawhi shuts him down. No one really shuts down superstars. Yeah. But... It's that they have so many different bodies. Used to, when the Warriors played the Cavs uh, in the finals, Iguodala would be on LeBron. LeBron's not going to attack all the time. Yeah. He's going to wait. He's going to get a switch. He's going to wait till there's a smaller guy or a lesser defender on him and then go. With the Clippers, who are you pinpointing? Patrick Beverly? We've seen that. We saw LeBron get Pat Bev on him mm-hmm. at the end of the game and, bet, and Pat swatted the shot. Yeah. <laughs> he's not going to back down. Steph, I'm not saying Steph backed down to him in those finals. He's not but Patrick Beverly. He's not as big, yeah. or he's not like as uh, he's not a dog. feisty. Yeah, <laughs> not a dog. Steph Curry, not a dog. <laughs> That's what it is. Um, the Clippers have no one to target when they play Pat Bev, Kawhi, PG, Harold, Harold, and you can throw Jamichael Green in there because you could say Lou Williams closes, and yeah, he probably will. But that's the guy they should target if because he's not a good defender, especially yeah. now at his age, like 33, 34 years old. Um, but if he's off the if he's on the bench, you put four really good defenders around Montrez. Montrez is not a really good defender, but if you put him around them, yeah, he can fit into the system. There's yeah. no one LeBron can call for a switch and have a clear advantage over mm-hmm. because he's going to get to the rim. But yet Montrez is going to be able to slide with them. Yeah. So I, I think Kawhi and PG sharing duties. And I'll say this right now. Laker fans don't like it, but if Andre Godala becomes available, I don't think he will. Mm-hmm. The Grizzlies don't want to buy him out. But if he, if he does, he respects mm-hmm. Kawhi and Pete. He respects that group more than he does the Showtime Laker. He 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 doesn't really – I'm not going to say he doesn't like LeBron, but like he likes that type of edge, that type of team, the Clippers, yes. better than he does the Lakers. So that's where he would go. And if he goes there, pack it in, mail it up, you're gone. Good night. The the series is over. If if Iggy doesn't get bought out, is he worth trading for if you're the Clippers? That's a great question. (laughs) That's a great question. I lean no. Because you would have to give up Mo Harkless, someone else, and and maybe a pick. Yeah. No. I don't think – I mean, Mo Harkless is not going to hit shots for you. Mm -hmm. We've seen that – throughout four years of Blazers history. But I like having him, and I didn't even name him when I said someone for LeBron to go against. Yeah. I, I like having five guys that you can just say, all right, you got LeBron for the, for five possessions. Imagine if you can just give Mo, uh, Le, Mo Harkless ten possessions on LeBron, Kawhi eight possessions, Paul George eight. Like you're splitting it's up exhausting. your time. exhausting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so I don't, I don't think so. Um, especially since, since Iggy's not really going to create anything offensively. Yeah. He's done he's done in that regard. 
I mean, would you give up anything for a guy that makes $17 million? I don't think that you could give anything to the Grizzlies that that they would give up for Iggy, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's nothing the Clippers – the Grizzlies don't want a second-round pick for Iggy, you know, like – yeah. The roster's is just not in a good spot to trade for Iggy. Yeah. That's why I've maintained what I think will happen with this guy, with Iggy, who should be playing basketball. He, he, sitting there wasting his career. Yeah. I hate it. I hate that he's – I hate that he was treated, number one, from a place he loves. And number two, I find it hilarious that he's just chilling in the Bay Area, going out to breakfast and dinner and walk, and being – you know, fans are seeing him in the street saying, hey, Iggy, like, enjoying vacation. <laughs> uh, I maintain what's going to happen with him. He's not going to go anywhere this year, and he's going to be a free agent and then he's sign with the Warriors, Warriors right? and yeah. retire. He's going to um, Make one last run probably with a healthy Steph, Clay, and Draymond. Yeah. Uh, now, Golden State, I haven't really – I mean, I've watched games, especially ones they've won. Somehow I'm always watching when they win. They've won? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, D'Angelo went uh, <laughs> ballistic a couple times. Yeah. And, and and if you remember, Houston cannot beat Golden State healthy or injured. No. So. That was a fun Christmas game to watch. Hysterical. Um, I do want to talk about one more team here. It's sad. It really is sad, Clay. That <laughs> you know, for a while, I'm not gonna. Call, I wasn't a Spurs fan, but like I respected them so much. I, I still do. Yeah. I loved watching them play with Timmy, Boris Dl, Manu, uh, Tony Parker, Kawhi Leonard. Like that 14 team is one of my favorites of all time. Um, but what they've turned into. I can't wrap my head around why they <laughs> traded Kawhi and Danny Green for two. I, I can't even say it. Like like Demar Derozan and Jakob Pertl. Like Derozan, I don't know why Popovich and R.C. Buford valued him as a superstar because he's not. Mm-mm. And I don't know where you fall on that line, but like I, even in Toronto, I was saying Kyle Lowry is a better basketball player. He has been the better basketball player, but yet Derozan scores twenty seven. You know. I think Demar is a great guy. I think he's fun to watch. I, <laughs> you know, when something starts out as he's a great guy, he's got a great personality. Yeah, yeah but <laughs> he's not a superstar. He's not a five star player. He's not a four star player. Yeah, like, not now. No, and honestly, I don't think he ever was. His defense, I've always had issues oh with. Oh my god, he got benched just to back up that point. Cavs Raptors game three, LeBron's last year in Cleveland. Whenever it looked like Toronto had the better team, they did have the better. They team. They did have the better team. Uh, they were Cleveland was relying on Jeff Green, bless his soul, and Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love and all those guys. Um, guess what? Demar Derozan couldn't stay on the floor. He was benched. They brought in OG Ananobi and Norman Powell. Like, mm-hmm. like, and, and Lowry was running the show. And that's the game that LeBron hit the game winner over OG Ananobi. Yeah. Um, yeah, Derozan. If you're benched in the playoffs, I'm sorry, you're just not a star. No. And his three-point shot, it's, what, has it gotten a little better? Here, you want a fun little fact here? <laughs> Please. The guy took, uh, I'll bring it up right now because it, <laughs> it was a lot. It was a lot of threes he took in Toronto his last year, the year that Nick Nurse took over the offensive coordination and, and Dwayne Casey was a, was a head coach. Yeah. But he gave Nick Nurse the offensive control. And he said, okay, DeMar, you're going to take threes. The guy took 287 threes, okay, that, that season. That was... 70 more than he ever had. He has totally abandoned it now. He goes to San Antonio. He takes 45 last year in 77 games and only 19 this year in 32 what? games. Popovich has told him basically like we're not going to we're not going to force you to do what you don't want to do. But guess what? It turns out what he what he needs to be doing is helping the offense. <laughs> yeah. Golly, it's bad. 
287 to 45. Yeah. And he shot, it wasn't like he was this horrid three point shooter. He shot 31%. It's not quite respectable, but it's also not Andre (laughs) Roberson. I mean, Um, so I know Spurs fans, like, one thing they, they always argue, though, is that that going to San Antonio made DeRozan this better playmaker, which is true. He His passing has been awesome. But LaMarcus Aldridge is, is over the hill. I'm a big LaMarcus Aldridge stan, and I and I, and I and I he's one of my favorite power forwards of all time next to Pau Gasol. But, like, he's not what he was he, anymore. And, and these guys are on the wrong side of 30. DeRozan just turned 30, I believe, or about to turn 31. And LaMarcus Aldridge is, like, 32. Mm-hmm. Um at at what point do they say we gotta we gotta pivot we gotta trade one or both and start this under the Dejounte Murray regime? I what do they do it now or should they? Well, they gotta ask themselves what kind of return are they gonna get for two guys that they pulled out of 1987 and put yeah. in the modern NBA? Well, you want a cold hard secret here? Um, it actually sucks to say for because I mean Demar's a, good, a great guy as you said like he, <laughs> but you know what they would get for Demar right now? A late first round pick. That yeah, like that's bad. That is not bad. maybe not even a first. I mean like, and he makes too much money, and he's coming up on a contract uh, extension. Like the Spurs can either extend him. Mm-hmm. They're at a crossroads. Are they going to extend him, or are they just going to let him walk into the market and go where he wants to go? What I would say is, if you really want Demar Derozan for some reason, let him go to the market and see that he see that he's not going to get any offers. See that he's not going to get these twenty million dollar offers, right? Like he'll get mm-hmm. a, a twelve to fifteen million dollar deal because that's what he is. Like yeah. we need to quit overpaying these guys that are clearly past the prime. Um, and, and and once he realizes that there's nowhere to be found, no team that is a winning team that can also pay him because all the teams of cat space are like Atlanta, Charlotte, so those type of people, all those type of players or teams. Oh, Charlotte will pay for him. They'll pay for him. Oh, God. <laughs> Charlotte Charlotte paid $58 million to get to Terrell Zier. Oh, my God. I mean, you God. can see that headline, right? Yeah. Um. Anyway, I, I think DeRozan will end up coming back for a cheap discount because no team's going to pay him what he wants, what he thinks he's worth. Is that discount going to come with a reduced role? <laughs> it's funny you say that because, like, he should be coming off the bench. Like, like, yeah. there's no reason why in a rebuilding stage they shouldn't start DeJounte Murray and Derek White and Br- or Bryn Forbes. Hell, start three guards. They're not going to be anything defensively, and they haven't been for years, but you at least get to see what those three guards can do for you. Mm-hmm. And I love Bryn Forbes. Shoots like 40% from three, runs around like J.J. Like, it's, it's pretty awesome. Um, I was going to ask you, though, is it two questions? Do you want to see the Spurs in the playoffs just because of the tradition, because of Pop, and he hasn't missed it since uh, 1930, or <laughs> or do you want to see them go the other other direction right now? I, I want to see the Spurs in the playoffs. It's the I'm NBA kinda, playoffs. I'm kind of like, leaning that way too. I'm leaning that way too, man. I don't really want them there. They have to be there though. You know, yeah. it's it's an institution. Well, I would like to see Dejounte Murray in a playoff setting. Yeah. Um, because he's been kind of bad this year, and I thought he he was my most intriguing player heading into the year because yeah. he's come back from the ACL tear, and, and I thought he was going to be awesome. But he hasn't been that good. Um, and that comes back to just he can't shoot. The Spurs only have two guys that can shoot, but yet like they just don't take enough shots. It, it's crazy. Uh, so uh, this is something that you've never really uh, delved into, but location, effective field goal percentage, determines how many or, or like it takes your shot chart right where are you taking your shots from are they at the rim and from three 
that's the two best spots to go from. You don't want to take a lot of mid rangers. They're all they're good. Let me be clear. Mid rangers are good, but but not when it's your heavy dosage. Yeah. Um, when you have Durant or someone like that, right? But it takes that and determines if you shot league average from where you shoot, what what would your effectiveness be? The Spurs are dead last, <laughs> meaning they take a lot of their shots from the mid range, and they don't hit a lot of them. So. Location effective field goal percentage, the Spurs are at fifty point three percent right now. That's that's last that's dead last next to Golden State, who doesn't have their shooters. That's why they're taking bad shots. Yeah. So they don't. But like first in the league for for perspective is Brooklyn. Brooklyn and Toronto and Houston. They take a lot of threes, a lot of rim shots. Yeah. Dinwiddie, uh, uh, Joe Harris taking a lot of a lot of really good smart shots. And then you have Milwaukee up here too somewhere. But. Yeah. Um, Where's Milwaukee? Oh yeah, they were they were eighth, and they take the right kind of shots. Why is Detroit up there? Detroit uh, has benefited from Dwayne Casey saying, "Okay, I don't care that we don't have good shooting. We have Luke Kennard and and somewhat of a Derrick Rose, right? Yeah, we're just gonna launch threes. They take like forty threes. They, really? Some games they take a lot, but they don't have the they don't have the shooters. They don't yeah. have anyone that can really hit. That's why they suck, <laughs> uh, and that's why the Pistons are one of the most unwatchable teams in the league. Blake yeah. Griffin is hurt." And he's playing hurt, and I don't like that. Sit down. Um, but anyway, the Spurs at the rim, man. They take the fewest shots at the rim, the fewest. They take the most mid rangers by six percentage points. They take forty three percent of their shots from mid range. Uh, I'm sorry, I would trade both. I would trade both right now. Yeah. I just I would do it, and I wouldn't look back. For draft cap, like yeah. we said, what are you gonna get for him? Like. Well, is Lamarcus I, well what I'm gonna what I'm gonna get from him is not continuing this. Like you know, at some point it's a it's sunk, just, it's, it's a sunk cost. Yeah, like you traded for Demar Derozan. You shouldn't have done it. You should have trade. You should have done that deal with with the Lakers or someone. I remember Popovich did not want to do a deal with the Lakers. Kawhi mm-hmm. said he wants to go to L.A. Right. Well, he said you're not going to L.A. We're not trading. We're not taking back Kuzma Ingram and Ball and, and all that package. Yeah. He should have because the package he took is just set him back. Years. Can you imagine that team with like Ingram or or Kuzma or Lonzo, who's been bad but still coming together? They'd be better. Yeah, they'd be better. <laughs> um, one one player before we before we hop off here that I'm interested to see hasn't played a game yet. Zion. Forgot about him. Do you have any takes <laughs> about this? Um, I think my take so far is that it's a little bit concerning that he's already had these knee issues. Um, I think that's two knee issues in the matter of seven, eight months. Yeah. That one didn't even blow. I don't watch college. Didn't he, like, blow out a shoe? What was it? Yeah, yeah, he blew out a shoe, and he was out maybe, like, four or five games. He should have just not – he should have not played anymore, but he came back for the tournament. And, I mean, he looked fine. He played well in the tournament, and then he re-aggravated it in the preseason. Yeah, so that that that's like a, and it's important to delineate that that was an unrelated thing because because okay. like this, this goes back to just a little rant, a little semi rant I have. Like whenever people say Kawhi was hurt and that he sat out the whole next year, at remember when Zaza slid under him? Yeah, people think that injury is what kept him out of the of the whole next season. It's not. Yeah, he hurt his ankle in that Warrior series. Then he had the uh, quad issue. So two separate things. I think Zion's maybe two separate things. Okay. Um, but yeah. Gentry played him 30-something minutes in the preseason every game just because of showcasing him for some reason. I yeah. don't know why you needed to do that. 
I'm really right. worried because of Zion's build and because he's not built like a normal human. <laughs> I'm I'm honestly really concerned about his weight. Yeah, I don't and think And he's he's been injured for how long now? October thirteenth. Not, 13th, not working 14th. out like normal, probably a lot more sitting around in recovery. Like you gotta think he's he's pretty out of shape because he came into the preseason yeah. out of shape. And I don't want them to obviously rush him back and have something else get hurt on him, you know? Like Yeah. So I you know, it's sad to say I, I think I would put an over under on games played per game for or per season for him at fifty five. You know, like I I just don't think that we're gonna see You mean going forward, like yeah, for his career. I mean okay. like and, it, and it's and I don't like saying that. Like I don't like like projecting uh injuries, but like the guy, if he land, like is as explosive as he is, right? He's going to be wanting to get these highlight moves or yeah. these, these these plays. He's going to be wanting to attack a Rudy Gobert with reckless abandon, right? Like he's gonna want to do this stuff and, and jump from ten feet past, you know, so Yeah. I, I think with that type of mentality, that type of uh, uh, motor that he has, it doesn't fare well if he lands wrong. If he lands wrong, you're screwed. And you could, and I know a lot of people would say like, "Oh well, all these other type of athletes survive," but the, but yeah, that they're not 300 something pounds, yeah. right? I don't know what Zion is, but maybe like 280, 300. He's definitely it, bigger than when LeBron came into the league. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, and the shot a little bit concerning. I don't think that. Well, very. I don't think he's going to be a three-point shooter, really. I don't think Gentry's going to allow him. What's he listed at? Two eighty-four. Yeah, and that's six, probably that's, and that's probably low too. I think that's that might not have been updated. Yeah. So like, I, I do think that he's probably three hundred. Um, and and three hundred running a fast break is awesome until it's not until yeah. something happens. Uh, I'm kind of intrigued by the Pelicans though. I I think they they they're not going to be a playoff team, but like, I think next year could be what we thought this year was going to be. I mean, honestly, it's not inconceivable to think they can climb up into that eight spot just because of how terrible the bottom of the West has been. But I, I really thought the Pelicans, I thought they'd be around 38 yeah. wins this year, 36. But Yeah, 38 was the, the 39 was the mark for me. But, okay. but like, Drew Holiday, uh, I don't credit to him because he's been a champ about this, uh, playing on this team. No, JJ's probably a little bit frustrated. Uh, JJ probably wants to be uh, traded yeah. or bought out. So, you might get yeah. that Dwayne Dedman fine here soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Dwayne Dedman saying that he wants to uh, go somewhere else. And he said it pretty politely. He said, "I got, I just want to be traded." I just well, wanna, I you can't say that in the media. So it used to be able to, but no, like fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, <laughs> and that's one thing. I, like I haven't watched mo- a lot of Sacramento, and and it's because De- De'Aaron Fox was hurt in the beginning of the year that bad ankle sprain. Mm-hmm. But they've been disappointing. Yep. And you had to, at some point, maybe point to Luke Walton. Because they got rid of Dave Yeager for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why they did that. I don't know, man. I think <laughs> I think the Kings are just stuck in perpetual mediocrity. <laughs> the Kings, yeah. Yeah, every time they get to right about 500, they got to go back to, yeah. you know. Uh, so, moving forward, I mean, we'll we'll probably record here in the next week or two or something. But moving forward, what as we, we're about to hit the halfway mark, Clay, what are you going to be watching for? What are maybe one or two things you're going to be looking for uh, in the new year? Okay, here here's an underrated storyline. Nate McMillan has the Pacers at twenty two and twelve. I cannot wait to see what he can do with Oladipo when he comes back. And Oladipo, Brogdon, Jeremy Lane, or uh, or T.J. Warren, and then Turbonus, which is Miles Turner and Sabonis. So yeah, I mean I, I think it's going to be a super exciting team. Um, I think they could jump into that like a uh, maybe fourth 
contending team Home court, that we talked yeah. about. Yeah. And then the Jazz. I'm I'm gonna be watching the Jazz a lot in the uh, in the coming coming months because they've been a disappointment for me so far, and I'm interested to see if they can uh, yeah. get to where I thought they'd be able to get to. They've had a uh, I don't know what you call it, but it's been up and it's been like it's been a roller coaster, I guess you could yeah. say. Like they started hot. Uh, I, I was watching. I was in Staples Center when they were playing the Lakers. They they lost pretty badly, but then they rebounded from that and had like six or seven straight wins, and they looked really good. Mm-hmm. But Mike Conley has been atrocious. Which I thought he'd be great for them. I thought that was yeah. a great fit for that team. Yeah. They're winning now. He hasn't played, so they're, <laughs> they're winning now. Um, so that's good. So you're looking at Indiana and Utah mm-hmm. so far. Okay. Um, right now, moving forward, I think I'm gonna look and see what the Bulls do because. I've been laughing at them all year. Yeah. And I thought it was a joke when people said this Bulls team was going to be a 41 playoff team. Well, you know, you look at them thir- at 13 and 21, that's about a uh, – let me do it right now. What's the percentage, Clay? Um, Point, uh, 38. 0.382. Yep. Tons about 82. On pace for 32 wins. Uh, so they're far below that mark, but they're still right there in the hunt. And I don't want to see them in the playoffs because I don't think I don't think Jim Boylan should be given any credit whatsoever. <laughs> But the defensive turnaround this team's had, they're fourth in defensive rating. <laughs> what? Yes. The, the Bulls. Bulls. The Bulls are fourth or fifth right now defensively. You're making that up. There's my no my graph shows that they're, they're fourth or fifth. Uh, it, it's it's pretty crazy. They're they're they've perpetually been in the good in the good defense, bad offense section. Uh, I'm gonna just see what they do because yeah. Zach Levine, I think, is is vastly overrated by the public, but. You can't argue that it that he has turned around a little bit of a corner defensively. A defensively, bit of, yeah. yeah. Uh, offensively, I think it's still more of the same. So, yeah, we'll see. But uh, it's been awesome. It's been a pleasure doing this the first time. Uh, you know, I've, you know, I think that if it becomes a regular thing, we can definitely touch on a lot more topics and go in, in deeper in depth in each one. So, it'd be awesome, man. Uh, where can people find you on Twitter or uh, the internet in general? Uh, Twitter handle is going to be clay underscore wilder 14. Okay. Easy enough. Easy enough. And, and boxscoretales.com, you say? Boxscoretales.com yeah. for some uh, some real great NBA content. Yeah, this guy is about to have his senior, his last semester, I would assume, right? Yep. Starting semester. up in about a week. So maybe a few days. Um yeah, he's gonna be pretty busy. So, uh, yeah, if you don't hear from Clay for a while, it's because he's drowning in work. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, thanks for coming on and, and everything for yeah, the first man. time. And Thank you for having me. Oh, for sure. If I ever get an actual podcast show up and running, we'll definitely have something on a regular basis. But until next week or the week after, have a safe holiday season, guys, and uh, take care.